The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. We're in, uh, if you got a Bible, open your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, your eyelids, get to Matthew chapter 25. We're, gonna, we're looking at the last story of a sermon that Jesus gave privately to the disciples on the Mount of Olives. It's called the Olivet Discourse, Olivet Olives Discourse. Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus is telling his disciples because he's literally just days away from being crucified, buried, resurrected, and then he's going to ascend and go on up into heaven and sit at the right hand. But he's coming back. He said, I'm leaving you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, but I will come back. And I want to prepare you and prepare the church. And I want all this written down and recorded so that those who will be living in the times will be able to see the signs and recognize the signs of the times that my coming is near. And so this is the last part of that story, because next week we start heading to Palm Sunday and the Easter Sunday. So let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for those who are here in your house and all those who are listening by radio, all those who are watching online, wherever they may be. And I thank you that there is a fresh hunger for the word of the Lord. We need your divine direction. We need your wisdom. We need understanding for the times in which we live. So, Father, have mercy upon us. Uh, may we hear. May you give ears that they, we will hear what the Spirit says. This is not just information trying to be transferred intellectually. But these words are alive. Your word is living. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is able to pierce through and feed and touch our spirit, the spirit man. So, Lord, we give all this time into your hand to prepare us also for communion and for prayer for healing. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, so um, here are the first, kind of the little outline that we have there for you. When the Lord Jesus sits on the throne of his glory. We begin with verse 31, Matthew 25, 31. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the holy angels with him, he will sit on his throne in his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So this is what the first thing that Jesus is going to be doing. He's talking about when I come in my glory, the second coming. Oh, how I cannot wait for that day. Uh, he will be seven times brighter than the sun. Can you imagine? Meaning that the, he, he, his coming will be so bright, the sun will disappear. And he will be coming with millions of his angels. And let me also say this. He's coming to sit on his throne of glory. Now, the reality is he's ascended. He's already up in heaven. He is already sitting on his throne of glory next to his father. But I want you to know this. There is something stirring in the heart of the Lord Jesus at the right hand of the father. Because his purpose for coming to the earth 2,000 years ago for 33 years was to be the savior of the world. 
but he also wants to bring his kingdom from heaven to the earth. He wants to sit on a throne that will be the throne of David, that will literally be in the city of Jerusalem, and from there for a thousand years rule and reign upon the earth. Amen? So he wants to bring heaven to the earth. But, and when he comes, one of the first things that he will do at the beginning of that millennium is he will be judging the nations. So I want you to notice here in verses 31 and 32, that he's been dealing mostly with Israel, mostly with the Jewish people. But now he says, I'm talking to you Gentiles. Now the nations, the ethnos is the Greek word, all the rest of the nations will be judged by Jesus Christ. So I speak now to every world leader of every country, some 200 plus countries, some about 209 that are represented upon the earth. Hear my voice, the word of the Lord says to you, you will be judged. Every nation will have a day of reckoning, a day of accountability, and they will stand before the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who has already visited this planet, done his ministry and mission of being the Savior, dying on the cross, being buried, resurrected on the third day, ascending up into heaven, promised he will come, and he will come. And therefore, all nations will be judged, and part of the judgment will weigh the actions of the Gentile nations regarding how they have treated the Jewish people, the scattering of Israel, and even the dividing of the land that God assigned to his chosen people. So I want to read to you Joel chapter 3. is another. The whole chapter is talking about the day of the Lord and God judging the nations. And here he reveals the reason why the nations will be judged. So let's read it out loud. I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So this is, you know, what God is saying is that the Jewish people have been mistreated uh, throughout the generations and going back for the last 2,000 years. And I want to say this to you. Why, why is it um, that there has, there, there's this anti-Semitism in the world and the blaming of the Jews and the jokes about the Jews and the, the Jews control all of the media, they control all of the money, they control all of the this and the that, and then they get blamed. And it, it is not just unique to our time. It, it's been around from the beginning. And what I want to share with you this morning from the scriptures and from the Bible is that it's, it's not about politics, really. It's not about money. Those are surface issues. But behind it is a spirit. And the spirit behind anti-Semitism is none other than the devil himself. And the reason that the devil has an animosity against the Jewish people is that God chose to save the human race with a man named Abraham 4,000 years ago. And, and God blessed this man. Uh, he gave to him a great call. And Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and Israel had 12 tribes. And out of those 12, God chose and prophesied one, Judah, 
The savior of the world will come through the Jewish people, through Judah. And Judah had many families, and so God narrowed again, narrowed it down, and said it'll be the family of David, the man after God's own heart, the shepherd, warrior, poet that loved and worshipped God and took down Goliath and all of the stories of David. God said, I'm going to send my son through the family of David. He'll be an ancestor. David will be his ancestor, and he will sit on David's throne in Jerusalem and rule and reign on the earth. And the devil knows it, and that's why he is resisting it, and he has come against them over and over again. And anti-Semitism is raising and rearing its ugly head again. But Jesus says, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. Now, uh, I was, back in, in high school, when I was a freshman, for one year, I was a future farmer of America. And so I was in this organization, and, and it was at school out in El Cajon, and I was assigned, they said you had to have an animal and raise it, and so I chose a lamb, I had a little lamb named Curly. And my job was to feed the lamb and take care of Curly and then present him and sell him at the Del Mar Fair. So that's, that's what I did for you. Little did I know when I was 15 years of age, learning about sheep and how to take care of sheep, that I would end up being a pastor called a shepherd over the sheep of the body of Christ. God was preparing me from the beginning. And, um, but I learned some things about sheep. Number one, sheep don't have very, very good eyesight. They, they can't see all that good. So when they're out, they, they, and they're very nervous, <laughs> very anxious. They're afraid, you know, oh, the sky is blue. You know, I mean, everything is <laughs> worrisome to them. So they, they tend to be nervous, skittery. They, they kind of go, and because they can't see very good, they tend to like to huddle together and they go in groups now, that can be good, but it also sometimes can lead you to danger because the guy in front, he didn't know where he was going either. <laughs> and the funny part is, Jesus looked at all the people and he goes, you guys remind me of something. <laughs> sheep! <laughs> but at the same time, guess what? Sheep have pretty good ears. And shepherds learn, even young shepherds learn how to take um, the sheep and, and they give certain calls. And the sheep learn to hear the shepherd's voice. And they learn from being little baby lambs to growing up lambs that they should trust that voice because that voice will keep them from peril. That voice will protect them from predators. That voice knows where the water is. That voice tells them where the green grass is. Every time they listen to the voice of that shepherd, it's good for them. And Jesus said, you are my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice. That's why we're here. We're learning through the word of the Lord. This is the voice, this is the voice of the Lord. That's why we read it daily and ingest it daily, because through the Bible, through the scriptures, you learn to hear the voice of the Lord, and it protects you from walking over a cliff. It protects you from predators who are after you. It tells you where to go. That's going to be green pastures and beside the still waters. Amen? So that's sheep. On the other hand, you have goats. Now, goats, on the other hand, have a stubborn sense of independence, <laughs> They don't like herds. They don't want to be in a herd. They want to be a herd of one. They will wander from the herd, even at their own peril. And Jesus said, goats are like 
unbelievers. They're not with anybody else. They're a flock of one, and it's their own minds, and they follow their own instincts and ways, and they get into trouble a lot and very easily. And Jesus said that's like unbelievers. They have a mind of their own and rebel against any shepherd who tries to guide them. So Jesus is saying there's going to be a separation between the believers, the sheep, and the goats, and there literally will be sheep nations and goat nations. So let's go on to the next uh, picture here of a shepherd, a young shepherd with sheep and goats, and then to the next point in the outline. The sheep inheritance includes the participation and enjoyment of the kingdom. So beginning in verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats he will put on his left. Now again, this is the nation's the Gentile nations. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And here's why. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Now, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. It's very important as we look at this, uh, uh, you know, Jesus is saying, here's why you're going to be blessed. Here's why you're going to participate. Here's why you get to enjoy the kingdom. It's because of how you treated these, the least of my brethren. He, and, and they're like, they can't understand why we don't get it. We never saw you hungry or you thirsty or you naked or you in prison. And he says, when you did it unto the least of these, my brothers. He personalizes it in a very, very special way. And I believe that what Jesus is saying there is he's talking about, you know, this isn't just, you know, Gentile Christians blessing other Gentiles. Jesus is saying this is going to be the judgment of the nations. And with the nations, which is everybody else other than the Jewish people, I'm going to have sheep and I'm going to have goats. And it's based not only on how you treated me, because you didn't recognize or realize what you were doing was you were treating me personally, but it's the least of these, my brethren. So what I want to suggest to you is that in a way, all from Abraham until now, for 4,000 years, God has had his representative, my chosen people. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that get annoyed. Why would God choose them? And that means maybe I'm not chosen and I don't like them for that. So there's a resistance and a rebellion and an attitude and all of that. What they don't realize is, even in the promise that God gave to Abraham, through you I'm going to bless all the nations. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Savior, guess what? You're chosen too. It wasn't, I'm going to choose them so that I can't choose anybody else. The whole purpose of starting by choosing the Jewish people is so that through the Savior, he could choose the rest of the world and all the nations. So we're all chosen. But there are people that don't like that. And the enemy certainly doesn't like that. 
And there was an anti-Semitism that crept into the church, even with Constantine. And later in history, it's a very, very sad, tragic time in history, the church in the country of Spain had something called the Inquisition. How many of you have heard of the Inquisition? This was a time when the church in Spain were agitated with the Jewish community, and they said, look, we need to convert them. Because they had great influence, great power, and, and they were, you know, they were very much involved in all of Spanish society, but they need to be like us. So they said, look, we're going to give you the gospel, and if you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, basically we're going to torture you. How many would agree that's not a good evangelistic program? <laughs> but that's what they did, the Inquisition, and by force, that's part of our history. And then later, the Holocaust. So it's a very sad and tragic part of our history, and, and the Lord looks at that, and he watches that. And there, there is, so here, I want you to read this scripture with me, because this is foundational, and, and we have to keep going to it, because it goes all the way back to our father Abraham. Let's read Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Get out of your country, and from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everybody can be saved. God wants all the nations in his family. He wants everybody to be chosen, but you have to be chosen by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So it, what's interesting here is that right now, I mean, supposedly we're in modern times, 2020, wow. There is a rising tide globally in country after country, continent after continent of anti-Semitism and of once again with all of the mounting chaos and problems of the world, all over the web are people saying, it's the Jews, it's the Jews' fault. Or if not the Jews, it's Israel, and it's Israel's fault. And so they, they don't realize that their attitude and that spirit, which I think is a demonic spirit behind it, is, is really going to, one day, they're going to have to give an account for that very thing. Now, last week, for those who were here, we had this beautiful young lady named Carolina. She's only 23 years of age. She's from Ukraine, and she told Briefly, her story that I was a little girl, I'm in Ukraine, I'm going to school, I don't know who I am. And my mom says, hey, you're Jewish. What does that mean? I don't know. But she says, whatever you do, don't tell anybody in your school who you are or that you are Jewish. Oh, wow, that's weird. Okay, whatever, mommy. And, but she grows up a little bit, and then they find out. And the next thing you know, they're drawing swastikas on her doors. And they're, even her teacher saying, why are you people here? You should go back where you came from. You don't belong here. And so here's this young girl that grows up with this. It's 2020, but that's not an isolated incident. It's happening everywhere. And it wasn't that long ago, even in our own history, sadly, in Germany, sadly, it even affected some who were faithful, church-going Christians in Germany, that there was this man that I believe was a prototype of the coming Antichrist, Adolf Hitler, 
who, you know, even when you watch the historic things of him being in a stadium with tens of thousands of people, and I can't understand a word he's saying, but you can feel the spirit behind his lecture as he basically, you know, puffed up the German people. You are the greatest race on earth. You are the product, the end product of the evolution of the human species. He believed in Darwinism. We came from nothing and we developed little by little. And so there are pure breeds and then there are lesser breeds that need to be exterminated. And all of a sudden, it was we're the best. We're destined to take over the world. We're the Aryans. And you know who needs to be exterminated? The reason for all the problems that Germany and Europe have gone through is the Jews. Suddenly, Christian families would look at their neighbors and go, our neighbors are Jewish. Ugh. And they turned against them. Then they put little stars on them. Or a Jewish business, they started breaking their windows. Or a Jewish synagogue, and they began throwing rocks at them. And the next thing you know, the military was empowered to go against them and exterminate them and take them out. And the Holocaust happened. And there were Christians everywhere in Germany. A day of accountability is coming. How you treated them. And, and so Jesus is saying, if you're, you're on a street in Germany and that, that whole horrific thing is happening and you see a half-naked little boy or a little girl and they're starving and they've been kicked out of their home and their synagogue has been destroyed and there's, their business has been destroyed and they're living in the ghetto and you just say, they're Jewish, Ugh, leave them. But those who say, that's a human being. That's a little boy, that's a little girl. I'm going to clothe them. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to take care of them. Jesus is saying from his throne in heaven, I take that very personally. And it's not that we're saved by our deeds. What Jesus is saying is your deeds show whether you believe really or not. It shows who you really are. And the reality is, as we celebrate communion here this morning, the whole point is to remember the cross. Well, guess what? On the cross where Jesus, who is the only human being that never did anything wrong, and they took a spike and drove it into his hand to a tree on one side and a spike into his other hand and stretched it wide and then crossed his legs and drove a spike and put a crown of thorns on his head. You know, they put over the head of the criminals, Rome, they did public executions. It was on a road on, there in Jerusalem so that all the people would pass by, oh, wow, this horrific death scene. What were their crimes? Why were they crucified? They put their crimes above their heads. Well, what are they going to put for Jesus? Here's all they said. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He is not ashamed of being Jewish. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham to be the savior of the whole world. We should recognize it and we should know it. So thank God for the Nehemiah fund that we have here and that we're investing. So I have purposed in my heart. And let me just say this. You know that I believe that we're, we're, we're seeing things rapidly accelerate right now, prophetically. Anti-Semitism growing. And, I, and the Bible says it doesn't get better, it gets worse. It's going to get worse. So I, am per, I have purposed in my mind and heart that myself and my family and my church family we're going to be those in our generation that don't mistreat the Jewish people. We're going to love them. We're going to bless them. We're going to honor them. We're going to do what God said to do. That's the deal. Okay, so let's wrap this up. 
There are two kinds of people, those inside the kingdom, and now we're going to find out those who are left outside the kingdom. So beginning in verse 41, and this finishes Jesus' parable, and it finishes his Olivet Discourse. Then he will say to those on the left hand, so these are the goats, depart from me, you cursed. Now, those, the sheep on his right hand are blessed. Notice that the goats on his left hand are cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want you to notice these are human beings who end up in hell, but note specifically what Jesus said. Hell was not made for man. That, the Bible nowhere says that hell was made for man. What was hell made for? The devil and his angels. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he doesn't force people against their will to go to heaven. And the only other place, if you don't accept Jesus, is to be taken away with the devil. And so the place that it was prepared for the devil and the angels. For Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer him, saying, Now, wait a minute, Lord. When did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Both the sheep and the goats were given opportunities to bless Israel in a time of great need. And I believe that in the near future, some amazing, exciting, uh, world-changing things are going to happen in Israel and in the Middle East and with the Temple Mount and all the rest of it. But we need to be ready and we need to be prepared that we are doing the right thing from the right spirit, from the right heart at the right time, uh, that God may spare us and that he will say when we see him, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the reward prepared for you before the foundations of the earth were laid. Amen? Amen? We should never treat anybody with that kind of dismay or disdain or animosity, or hatred, or pride, or prejudice, or anything else. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services, held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.